Today, Pastor Javen concludes the series, First Comes Love, where we are looking at what singleness, dating, and marriage looks like for those who follow Christ. Today, we are going to look at handling conflict in our relationships. So take a moment now and prepare your heart for today's service. Well, we are concluding our series today, um, First Cubs Love, and I hope that uh, it's been encouraging to you throughout these last several weeks. Just a quick recap, as we like to do, just so you can just kind of know, and you can always go back and hit these if you missed any, but week one we talked about, we focused primarily on singleness and what that looks like for the follower of Christ, And but we said that whatever season you're in, whether it's single or married, right, it is a good season. We have to look at it that way because it is a gift from God. God's given that to us. And we say whatever season we're in, we need God. We need God in that season. We need his strength. We need him to be with us in that. And that's why we're saying first comes love. But the love that comes first is our first love for God and for Christ. Because when we love him, he strengthens us through these stages that we're in. Week two, we talked about dating. We need that high standard in in, in, in our dating life. That's a high standard for why we date. A high standard for who we date. We say we need a high standard for love and what that looks like. Christ called us to love others as he loved us. It's a very high standard. So the more intimate the relationship, the higher and stronger that standard needs to be. We carry that standard into our marriage. And we don't stop dating in our marriages. Week three, we talked about physical intimacy. We said, yes, it's enjoyable, but it has such powerful effects it comes with a warning label, right? We talked about that. So and God has a specific design for it, and we need to look at how he designed it and how it is truly meant for fulfillment in our life. And then last week, we talked about marriage and that uh, this is a gift that God has given us, just like singleness, but it's an opportunity for us to continue to grow in loving like Christ loves us. It is an opportunity for us to not just be a happy married couple, but a holy married couple, we said, separated for God's glory. We're, we are, we're understanding that sacrificial covenant relationship, that agreement, that commitment that we've made with one another, and we're doing everything we can to not let the enemy unwind what God has brought together, right? So that's kind of what we've looked at. And today, this week, we're going to end by talking about conflict. Yay, conflict. <laughs> conflict is fun. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but conflict in life almost seems unavoidable. Right? It, it, at some point in time, we come into conflict in some way. And here's the reason why. Here's the reason why. It's because we come across another person and, and I'm talking about conflict in regards to our, our relational conflict, right? Relationships, relationships we have in our life, okay? So it's because we come across another person who is battling selfishness and pride in their life, right? And guess what? We come into that and we're battling selfishness and pride in our life, right? We don't want to admit that part, right? It's just them that's battling, right? Not me, not me. That's because we're selfish and prideful. That's why we don't want to admit it. But we're carrying this with us too. So we've got these two individuals that are coming into this. And so conflict tends to to come to place. If you take this book, the Bible, that records history from the time that God started everything until the very end, what John in Revelation prophesies to us, how the end will look. All throughout the scripture, you see conflict. I mean, it started in the very beginning. We talked about it. This is how we ended our message last week. We talked about the fact that Adam and Eve had left their father and mother. The two became one. They cleaved together. And what happened? Now the serpent, right? He comes in because he wants to unwind the two, right? So immediately there's conflict in the relationship. The first set of siblings, conflict. 
Got a sibling rivalry. First two ever born, right? And you just keep going all throughout Scripture. And there's conflict, conflict, conflict. Conflict took Jesus to the cross. Because there was a group of people that did not like Jesus. And we see conflict all the way through until finally God banishes the enemy who starts it all to eternal damnation. And until that happens, there's conflict. So because we know that more than likely in our relationships in life, there's going to be conflict, we've got to be prepared for that conflict. And we've got to be prepared to handle conflict with love and with grace. If we're followers of Christ. Right? So let's, I want us to look real quick at what James talks about. James kind of talks about this a little bit. The Apostle James, he was a leader in the early church. He was the brother of Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 1, he, he, he starts talking about this. And let's leave this right here for a second. What's causing the quarrels and fights among you? That's a great question, right, James? What's causing all of these conflicts? What's causing all? Uh, it's a great question with an easy answer. You ready? Here's the easy They are. They're causing all the conflict, right? Because in every conflict, in every situation, right, there's, there's always the, the arguments. They're seeing things their way, right? And we're seeing things the right way, right? That's how it, that's how it goes. That's how we constantly feel. They're seeing things their way. I'm seeing things the right way, right? That's what, that's, that's where the conflict's coming from, James. So James asked the question. Let's see what he says. What's causing these? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Mm. So wait a minute. So what James is saying, the problem with these conflicts, the intensity that we're feeling, the reason we're feeling this way in these conflicts is because there's something in us that's not getting what we want. Let's just be honest. Right? There's something in us that's just not getting our way in the moment, not getting what we want. He goes on and he says this. He says, you want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. Now that sounds harsh, right? Nobody in here is scheming and killing, right? We... <laughs> right? All right. So, but let's think about, remember what Jesus said? He says, if you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder. We'll use the king's language when we say that, right? That's how we memorize it. You, you shouldn't murder somebody. That's just not good to do. Jesus said, but then he said what? He said, but I tell you this, if you have what in your heart? Anybody know? Hate. If you have hate in your heart for another person, well, that's just as bad. Bad, ooh. See, Jesus, Jesus kind of took these things and he, he made them a little bit more difficult to carry. So James is saying, so you scheme and you kill to get it. Well, I'm not necessarily physically killing anybody, but man, if I've got this hate in my heart towards this person that's causing me to treat them in certain ways, all because I don't get what I want. You're jealous of what others have. But you can't get it, so you fight, you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. So it's like James is telling us, he's saying, look, he's saying, what, what, what you think is just a simple argument is really stemming from selfishness. And then get this, old, scholars will say that the, the evil wars within you, that phrase, the passions at war within you, maybe you see your translation say that that's a, a, a throwback, an allusion to Old Testament idolatry. 
So wait a minute. Is James saying that what I think is just an argument is really stemmed from selfishness that's really stemmed from idolatry? Am I idolatrous in all of this? It's almost like James is saying, you have determined that something is so important to your life that you can't function without it, which would be idolatry. And so if that thing is so important that you can't function, you're doing everything you can to make your argument heard to get until you get what you want. But then he says, you don't have because you don't ask. In other words, James reminding us that what relationship needs to be first? A relationship with God. First comes love. And that love that comes first must be our first love for God. Because if you want these things, what you're doing is you're looking to this person to be your source when they're never meant to be your source. He is your source. So go to him for, so basically it's almost like James is saying this. Let's throw this this next slide up there. Uh, um, He's saying that there is this lack of upward connection that's producing an internal conflict in you that causes the external conflict around you. So what James is saying is if you want to help in this regards, you need to start with upward peace. Go to that next slide. Because if you have an upward peace with God, you had that relationship, it will help produce in you an inward peace that will help in your external relationships and bringing external peace around you. Seek God first. Come to him first. Now listen, I realize that it's just like whenever you ask a question, how are you on this? Do you like this? And the answer is, well, it depends. You know, we like to give that answer on a lot of things. I realize that there is levels of conflict. I get it. And sometimes conflict is very hard. And sometimes you may have to have someone help you to navigate and journey through that conflict. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't ever feel ashamed if you need a counselor or someone to help you navigate conflict that you have in a relationship within your life. There's nothing wrong with that. So I realize that. But I know that as James is saying, as we see all throughout scripture and as we see Jesus teach to us, our relationship with God helps us. Because the more we have peace in our relationship with God, the more it helps us with inside ourselves and the better it helps us around us. Uh, a quote that I've heard before and, and is so true. Hurt people hurt people. But healed people bring healing. And if we let God heal the hurt, then we're less likely to hurt others in our life. Jesus, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, what we, we've come to know as the Sermon on the Mount, he, he kind of starts this whole thing with a poem. It's called the Beatitudes is what it's come to be known as. It's in Matthew chapter 5 where you can read it. In that poem, in that Beatitudes, Jesus said this. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. As you'll see in Matthew 5 verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. Or blessed are those who make for peace because they will be the children of God. What Jesus is using there when he's talking about you're sons of God or children of God, it's this Jewish idiom that's basically saying you are reflecting the nature and the character of God and of Christ. So when you make for peace, You are reflecting him. You are representing him and his nature and who he is. Jesus would go on in in his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount and he would say, so I tell you this, 
pray for those that mistreat you. That's not easy to do, is it? Someone mistreats you, you don't want to pray for them. You want to start thinking, well, how can I get back at them? But maybe we should ask ourselves, are we plotting more than we're praying? Because we need to be praying for the person who is mistreating us, Jesus said, in our relationships. Why? Because upward peace brings inward peace that helps us reflect an external peace. And then he also, we've said this several times in the series. We've said it over and over in this house. Then later on, Jesus would teach his disciples. He would say, I'm giving you a new command. And the new command is this. Love one another as I have loved you. Right? That's our high standard for love. And then what did Jesus say? This is how people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. Our love And the fact that we bring peace reflects the nature and the character of God. They know we belong to him by how we love. So how did Jesus love? And how did he make peace for us? The biggest thing that we need a peace to be made in in our life is peace between us and God, our creator, our heavenly father, because of sin that is in our life. And so Jesus made peace between us and God by giving his life, by laying down his life so that peace can be created for us and our father. See, this sets us apart from the world, how we love others even those who mistreat us. So if conflict is inevitable, then what we need to do is we need to know, all right, I need to be prepared to handle this with peace. Because when I do, I'm reflecting God. So when this conflict arises, we need to look and we need to say, what do I need to lay down to make for peace? What part of my selfishness, what part of my pride do I need to lay down in this moment to bring peace? Now, there's, um, there's a several ways, styles that counselors will say that are reflected in how you handle conflict. You, you've probably heard of the fight or flight kind of concept. There's, there's a few more ways that we can look at this, but fight or flight is within that. But one of those ways is kind of it's withdrawal. We withdraw. This is that flight method. In other words, what happens is we deny that there's anything going on in the way that we act. So basically we just cut off everyone around us or we cut off the one that we're in conflict with. The young people say, I'm just going to ghost them, right? So, so we cut them all off. We, we don't have anything to do with them because if I cut off the source of conflict, then there is no conflict. But what this can lead you to do is it can lead you to make drastic decisions in your life. You can quit a job to avoid conflict. But you may be quitting your calling that God has taken you to. You can move out because you don't want to deal with conflict. You can move away from to a different place just because you don't want to deal with conflict. You can change churches because you don't want to deal with the conflict that's happening all of a sudden. And we think we're making for peace by just avoiding it, but we're really not. Another way that we do is we yield we yield. And basically, okay, I'll engage the conflict, but I'm just going to engage it to get it over with. And really, I'm just going to engage at my own expense. I'm going to let them win. And so we think I'm being the bigger person. 
Well, if I do this, then now, you know I'm being the bigger person. So, but what we're doing is we're we're harboring resentment and bitterness within our heart and within our life. And Scripture tells us to not let bitterness take root in our life. So we need to do everything we can to guard that. See, we think in these two ways we're we're making peace, but most would say you're not peacemaking here. You're peace faking. You're just making it look like you're making for peace. And then you've got this other one that's, that's not good either. And that's win. We got this mentality. This is the fight. I'm going to win. Bring it on. We want a conflict. Let's go. Right. That's what we say. But, and so we'll engage, but we only engage because we want to be right. There's no mindset to preserve the relationship. It's all about winning the argument. And so relationships get wounded and get harmed in this regard. And this, is, this isn't making for peace either. This is peace breaking. So the way that we need to try to do, what we need to strive for is we need to strive for resolve. Where we're honestly seeking resolution. Where we're sitting down with the other person and we're having a genuine conversation. We're laying down our selfishness. We're laying down our pride. We're opening up and we're talking and we're having a conversation. We're listening to them. We're discussing. We're not being afraid of how they're going to react. We're, we're responding to one another and we're trying to get to a place where we can bring healing and restoration into the relationship. Because if you remember last week, we said God's desire is always repentance and reconciliation. It's always repentance and reconciliation. And I understand and I know that you cannot manage another person. So the goal isn't necessarily reconciliation. Although that is God's desire. That's what, wants to, what you want to see happen. But because you can't manage the other person, you can't make your goal reconciliation. What you do is you make your goal to share your heart with love and with grace to open a door for reconciliation. And you do it in a way that there is no regret on your end. As the Apostle Paul would say in his letter to Romans, do everything you can on your end to live at peace with those around you. That's the way Paul would word it. So see, Jesus is saying, blessed is the person that makes for peace. And for Jesus to make that comment, he's recognizing there's going to be conflict around you. There's going to be conflict around you. But blessed is the person that doesn't stir up the conflict. Blessed is the person that doesn't make the conflict. Blessed is the person that doesn't make the conflict even bigger. Blessed is the person who makes for peace. So how are we making for peace in our relationships? Are we doing everything we can to make for peace? How do we manage it? How do we bring peace? I want to share just a few things by looking at some scripture. It's very practical this morning and I hope that's okay. But we're using scripture to look at this, okay? So what, what do we need to do when this conflict arises in our relationship? How do we resolve it? And can I be honest with you? I'm not great at these things that I'm about to tell you. I'm working in them. 
But can we be honest with each other? Can we say today that because we're followers of Christ, we want to do everything we can to work towards this together? To be these type of people? I've seen conflict destroy relationships so often in life. Not just marriages. I'm not talking about just marriages. It can happen. I'm talking about in every relationship we've had. Some great friendships in people's lives have been destroyed because a conflict arose and they couldn't resolve. Churches are constantly being destroyed because of conflict that comes up in churches and people can't resolve the conflict. But blessed are the peacemakers. So what can we do? First thing we need to do is we need to understand this. We have got to be a people that give grace. And we have got to be a people that understand that sometimes we just need to overlook an offense. Yeah, I know you're saying like, what? We're going to... Listen, we cannot forget that we have been a people that have been shown grace in our life. God showed us grace through the cross. When you look at your life, there is no one single person in here perfect. And you look at your life and you can say, man, God gave me grace and forgave me. And I expect God to give me grace. When I do mess up, I realize God's grace is right there. The scripture says his mercies are new every morning. And I am so thankful for the grace that God gives me every day. And we're quick to point out that God's grace, but we're not so quick to give grace. We have got to show grace. We have been forgiven. We have been shown grace. And look at the words of Solomon, Proverbs chapter 19, verses 11, verse 11. Sensible people control their temper. That's convicting to me sometimes. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Wow. And then look at what he says in chapter 12, uh, verse 16. A fool is quick tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. This is a person that makes for peace. This is a person that says, I'm just going to breathe first. <laughs> you know, we, this, again, first comes love, but the love that comes first must be our first love for God. When we love God, he helps us in this. We said last week, the spirit helps us in our relationships. We talked about it from the la- last week from the perspective, the spirit helps us to submit to one another. The spirit also gives us discernment. Scripture tells us. So we can discern when something is, I just need to overlook that offense. Or we need to dig a little bit deeper in this. God can help us in that. That's why we need that relationship. Because upward peace brings inward peace that helps in our external relationships. So we need to be people that are quick and 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 give grace and a people that can sometimes overlook offense. Another thing is we need to understand that when we are in conflict, our lives must always express the fruit of the spirit and must exemplify the love that God has called us to. Let's just quickly remind ourselves of what that looks like. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, Self-control. I don't know about you, but my toes are hurting, right? When it comes to conflict. Well, I mean, we could take a long time, and I'm not, don't worry, and just break each one of these down and how it should reflect itself in conflict when we handle it. I'll just, just real quick, patience. 
Now, I stink at that. But let's think about this. If you're a person that is, can't wait to confront an issue, like you find out and you can't wait to confront it, that's probably a sign you should wait, right? And the Spirit helps us in that. This, God, let your Spirit be reflected in me and how I handle this. And what do you say about how we love each other? Paul, if you've ever been to a wedding, at least, you've heard this. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, to love is patient and kind. It's not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't demand its own way. Uh-oh. What did James say? It's not irritable. Well, shoot. It keeps no record of being wronged. In other words, you don't have a little book or a notepad that you're remembering things. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but rejoices with the truth. In other words, it doesn't rejoice when someone is proven wrong. It rejoices in the fact that truth brings healing. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It always is hopeful. It endures through every circumstance and every conflict that we come into in our life. We make for peace. Are these characteristics being represented in our life when we go through conflict? Another thing we need to do. Listen twice as much as we talk. (laughs) We know this stuff, right? We're smart. We know this. We don't like being reminded of it. What, what did, uh, what did James say? You know, you probably know this verse, James 1 19. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, right? I don't know if you know this one, Proverbs 18.3. Let's look at what Solomon told his sons. Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. In other words, sometimes we're just very quick to rush to judgment, aren't we? We're just very quick to think something and then just let our mouth talk. There's an author by the name of Winston Smith that said this. He said, honest communication doesn't mean saying the first thing that comes to mind. We're quick to do that. That's not honest communication. He says, he says, we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. So if we're quick to listen, then what happens is the goal is always then to speak the truth in love with the purpose of building up the other. And when we're quick to listen and not just spout off, then we hear the other person. And then we can have an open conversation that leads to building one another up. My wife is a lot better at this than I am. I'm just, I'm going to be honest. She is. But these are, these are the realities. This is what we have to be. So we're, we're going to be quick. We're going to give grace. We're going to sometimes realize there's offenses we overlook. Right? We want to represent the, the fruit of the spirit. We want to represent love that God has called us to. We want to, we want to be quick to listen and slow to speak. But we also want to own our part. Remember, you're a sinner that's been saved by the grace of God. And as Paul says, just like Paul, we die daily to our sin. And because of that, James told us what causes the fights and the quarrels among us. It's the evil desires within us. 
We're not getting what we want. So we understand that. So we say, what do I need to own? What do I need to realize? Well, this, this is my problem and I need to own it. And then when I own it, I need to handle it. And how do I handle it? I admit it. I apologize for it. And I ask for forgiveness. I don't, my goal is not to win the argument. So I'm not looking to convince, convict, coerce, and control. I'm looking to admit where I'm wrong, ask forgiveness, and then offer an apology. I'm specific in my admission. I'm sincere in my apology. And I submit an open door for forgiveness and reconciliation. So own your part, handle your part. And then when you need to forgive, forgive. And that's hard too. But listen, we demonstrate the power of the gospel when we offer forgiveness. A lot of times we don't want to forgive because we think if I forgive someone, I'm minimizing their sin. And I get that. We're thinking, well, they're going to think if I forgive them, it's no big deal what they did. I'm minimizing what happened. But you're not. You're not minimizing the sin. You're maximizing the gospel when you offer forgiveness. You're not forgetting what they did and treating it as flippant, but you're letting God heal and restore and bring restoration to the relationship. Yes, conflict is, in, is unavoidable. But we have to do everything we can to be a people that makes for peace amidst the conflict. And I want to just close this morning with some words from Paul and a couple of the letters that he wrote, just a few quick verses. And as you listen to these verses and you see them on the screen or you can pull them up on your Bible, as you hear these words, I want you just to just imagine you're in that room and Paul is re- or, or someone is reading these letters from Paul to you. And he's encouraging you, encouraging the church and how you're to act in your relationships and with one another. Colossians chapter three, start at verse 12 in our Bibles. Someone's reading the words of Paul to the church and they say these words. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender hearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, with patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So 
that someone is reading this letter to Paul in the church of Colossae. Back at the church of Ephesus, someone is sharing these words to them from Paul, who said this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each, with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourself together with peace. Be a people that make for peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers. Because when you make for peace, when you seek to resolve, when you, when you understand that God's desire is repentance and reconciliation, you are reflecting the heart and the character and the nature of God. And when others see how you love, not just the ones that are easy to love, but the ones that are difficult to love, they will know that you are God's disciples. So when you think, I can't get over this, can't get over how they hurt me. I can't forgive them. I can't forgive them for what they've done. I can't love them anymore. I can't be around them anymore. When those thoughts are going through your mind and you think you can't, remember this, that because of Jesus, you can Stand with me this morning. Heavenly Father, I just submit this time to you today. God, I thank you that I thank you that you love us despite our imperfections. I thank you that your grace is so real and your mercies are new every morning, just as the scriptures say. Thank you that, that Father, when we fall short, that you're right there to pick us up, to love us despite it. So, God, I pray that you'll help us to do the same. Help us to be a people that reflect you in our relationships in life. Help us to be a people that because we love you first, we're able to love others better. Even, even in the middle of conflict, we'll be a people, Father, that, that don't look to stir it up, that don't look to enlarge it, that don't look to create it, but we'll be a people that look to make for peace within it. And because you bring us peace, Father, in our, rela- in, in our life, and we have peace in our relationship with you, God, we pray that peace builds up inside of us and flows externally through us. help us to fight off those evil desires within us that want to create conflict around us and help us walk in you and help us to honor you. Father, I just, I thank you today that your, your spirit will help us to bring grace to
to overlook a fence when need to. Your spirit will be with us to represent the fruit of him in our life and how we handle it, the love that it needs to be represented in the way we live our life and in our relationships. And Father, you'll help us to, to be quick to listen, God, and slower to speak. And we'll own what we need to own and we'll, we'll ask for forgiveness where we need to ask for forgiveness and apologize. And we will be ones who forgive others when we need to forgive. When we think we can't, Father, help us to realize that with you in us, we can. God, we give you this. I pray for any relationships in this room today that are struggling and suffering because of some kind of conflict. God, I pray for wisdom for them today. James also said that anyone who needs wisdom in their life, let them ask and you will grant it. So Father, I pray for them today that they will seek you for the wisdom they need. And you'll help them, Father, to begin to open the door to reconciliation where it needs to be. We thank you for it today. God, we love you. We give you praise. We ask that you go with us in this this day and our weeks ahead in our life. We give it to you in Jesus' name. If you need prayer in any way today, we would love for you to reach out to us. You can go to our website, bwccamden.com, go to our contact page. You'll find the link there to uh, request prayer or send us anything that you uh, would like to communicate with us today. Or you can also simply text the word prayer to 803-676-7566. And we will be back in touch with you to find out how we can be in prayer for you. God bless you. We hope that you have a great week.